Uh, we are thinking at this moment, at the start of this new year, I think we can still just about say that at the start of the new year, uh, we're thinking about the gospel, the good news about Jesus. When I say gospel, you can substitute in there good news if you want. If you don't know what that word means, you can just think about the good news. And we're thinking about the good news about Jesus, what it is and what it means for us in our lives. So later in the year, uh, after Easter, we're going to spend some weeks looking at how the gospel impacts every area of our lives. And we'll look in some detail at the, the various ways that that's the case. A little series called Gospel DNA, how the gospel isn't just something that we think about in the past tense and some sort of decision that we made, but it's something that shapes who we are and how we live in our lives, our families, our workplaces, our church, and in, in every way. But in these first few weeks of 2020, <clears throat> we wanted to zoom out a bit and look from, from quite a height at this amazing topic. And I'd like us to read from Philippians chapter 1 this morning. Um, I was grateful that John mentioned about the Bibles. If you've not got one yet, please feel free to go and find one. Uh, or if you have an app, you can download version or the ESV app, and you can follow along that way. And as he said, if you don't really know about the Bible, we'd love to, like, nothing would give me more joy this week than to have a coffee with you and chat through what the Bible is and, and uh, share a little bit about that. So at, at times, I'll refer to chapters and verses. The chapters are the big numbers in your Bible. The verses are the little ones. And I'll try and, uh, the, the words will hopefully come up on the screen as well. But sometimes it's good to have something before you that you can check in with and engage with. It helps guard against passivity, I think, sometimes. So just, it's up to you how you do that. Sometimes I just look at the words on the screen, but however, however is best for you. But we're going to read in Philippians 1 from verse 12. So this letter is written by the Apostle Paul, and it was Paul and some others who planted the church in Philippi. It was the first church to be planted in Europe. And now Paul is writing them a letter. He's writing, them, writing to them from prison, most likely in Rome. And he's going to speak about that reality of being in prison in the verses that we're going to read just now. So we're going to pick it up in Philippians 1, verse 12. This is God's word. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. What has happened to me, that is being put in prison, has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers and sisters, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of rivalry, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Or another translation would be, what does it matter then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, that is, whether from false bad motives or whether from good true motives, Christ is proclaimed. And in that, I rejoice. That's remarkable, right? 
Paul loved to make Jesus known. When, when you or I are fired up about something, one of the things that we do most naturally is we want to tell people about that. So whether it's that cat video that you saw on YouTube that you just have to share with someone, or whether it's that amazing restaurant that you visited, or whether it's that great movie that you saw, you want to tell people about it. So I, I recently have been banging on to a few people about 1917. I actually, when I was on holiday, Lindsay said I could uh, take a little solo cinema trip. I went down to Perth because they have an IMAX screen there, and I watched 1917 in IMAX at the Perth Playhouse. Loved it. And I've been telling people, you've got to go and see 1917 because I'm, I'm excited about it, because I believe in it, and I want other people to get in on it, right? And Paul was fired up about something, about someone, and he wanted, sorry, my cable's all over the place, he wanted others to know that. He wanted others to know about what he was excited about. I mean, think of what he was going through. He's in prison, Having committed no crime, he's there simply because of his allegiance to Jesus and his commitment to spreading the news of who Jesus was. He's in prison. He's also just spoken of this envy that others have towards him, this rivalry that they have, that Christian leaders have towards him, not just his enemies, but those who should be his, his, closest, uh, his closest friends and, and, and partners in the gospel. They're rivals of him. We hear in verse 17 that some are trying to make trouble for him while he's in prison, as if he didn't have enough to be keeping up with. And he concludes this little section in light of all that's going on, he says, but what does that matter? What does any of that matter as long as Jesus is proclaimed, as long as Jesus is preached, as long as Jesus is made known, as long as I can display Jesus somehow? Whether that's because of good motives that some have or bad motives, what does it matter if Jesus is being proclaimed? This is just going to hang like this the whole time. Let's just acknowledge it. And let's, it, the clip's broken. It's fallen off. Yeah, the clip fell off. The clip's over there. We'll sort it another time. But let's just acknowledge this cable and let's just put the reality of this cable on a shelf, right? I'm going to do that now. Just pray for me that I can do that. It doesn't bug me the whole sermon. You do the same. We'll just put that away, right? Okay. Everyone, everyone okay with that? Okay. So... <laughs> Paul cares about, he doesn't care what's going on in his life. He says, what does it matter as long as Jesus is being proclaimed and in that I rejoice. That was central to Paul. Not his comfort, not his reputation, not whether he was liked or respected, not whether he was treated fairly. I mean, anyone know the reality when you feel that someone's treated you unfairly and how it consumes your thought life? Well, Paul doesn't care about that. He doesn't care whether others around him had it sorted out in terms of the way they were letting their Christian faith play out in their lives. He only cared that Jesus was being made known, that Jesus was known. And as we think about the gospel, that would be one way that we might define the gospel succinctly. Jesus, rightly known. That, friends, is good news. That is gospel. When we think about the gospel, we think about it in a number of times. Maybe some of you are new to that term today. I hope some of you are new to that term. But maybe for others, if we've been around church for any 
period of time, if we've, if we've walked with God for any period of time, when we think about gospel, we can often think of it in, in, for example, what flows out from the gospel. So often we can think about the gospel in terms of what does this mean for me? Or maybe even slightly more harshly, we might think, well, what's in this for me? So we can think of the gospel in terms of the gospel means that I can be forgiven. The gospel means that I can know peace. The gospel means that I can be set free from those things in life that would hold me back. The gospel means that that I can be sure that I'm right with God for now and forevermore. We might think of that which flows from the gospel. Or sometimes when we think of the gospel, we might think of a series of actions or events that have different consequences. So for example, we might say the gospel is that God did this, he created the world, but that we did that. We sinned, we rebelled, we pushed God away. And then God did this, he sent his son as a savior for our sins, so that if we do this, if we respond in the right way to God, then God will do this, God will forgive me and bring me into his family, so we now need to do this, we need to live for God uh, with everything that we've got in all our lives. The, the gospel, in, in that sense, is that if we do something, we can enter into God's story. Now, of course, I hope you know that, that none of that is wrong particularly, nothing I've said there, I hope, is wrong this word gospel is used in lots of different ways in the New Testament. So I don't want to kind of act like we can just boil this down to one simple reality. Not, not at all. Paul in, in Ephesians 6 actually speaks of, uses the phrase, the mystery of the gospel. So let's not try and act like we can just sum this up in one little catchy phrase. It's not that any of that stuff that I said is wrong. It's just truncated. It just doesn't get to the heart of things. So think, for example, if I, think if I were to speak uh, of my marriage to Lindsay in, in this way. Say, so say someone was to ask me, what's that mainly all about for you, your marriage to Lindsay? And I was to say, well, the good news of, of me and Lindsay is that I get certain things out of this little arrangement. I get companionship. I get someone who accepts me despite my few little insignificant struggles in life. I get reassurance when times are hard. I get that she makes a sweet key lime pie. I'm just letting you know, right? You know, if I was to, to tell you that what my marriage means to me is that there are things that I get. Now, those are all true, but it's just not the main point, is it? You'd look at me funny if that was the way I spoke. Or if I was to speak of the relationship mainly or only in terms of transactions that I could look back to. So, well, when I was 19, I inquired if Lindsay might be interested in me. And she said no. And I said, well, we'll see about that. And then eventually we got together. And then eventually we split up like 10 times. And then one of those 10 times I proposed while we were split up, and then she said yes, and then we got married, and so on. Now, it's not wrong to speak of my relationship with Lindsay. It's just, that's, that, that's a huge part of the story, but it's not the center. It's not the main thing of what it means to be married to Lindsay. The, the treasure of being married is not the benefits that come 
or the events that have brought that about. The treasure is Lindsay herself. And before you throw up, let's move on. (laughs) The point is this. Before we get to what flows out from the gospel... Unless we fall into the trap of thinking that the gospel is just a series of events or transactions between us and God, we need to look before all of that to the person of Jesus himself. Can I please read you a few passages that make this really clear? Um, Armin, could you please put up on the screen Romans chapter 1 and the first four verses? I'm just going to read four passages that make this reality clear, that we need to think of Jesus as being the gospel, the good news. So Romans 1. So Romans is Paul's great gospel letter. And listen to how he starts it. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. So he's speaking about the gospel here. which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning... So, what is the gospel concerning? Concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. The gospel concerns the Son of God. It concerns the Messiah, long spoken of. That's the reference there to to David. That this is King David it's speaking about, through whose family line would come the rescuer, the redeemer of God's people, the Israelite king, the Messiah. The gospel concerns this Jesus, the son of David, who was shown to be the Lord and the son of God through his resurrection from the dead. And and then in verse 5, and indeed, to be honest, for the rest of the the letter, then we get to some of the benefits of that. Verse 5, through whom we have received grace, kindness from God that we don't deserve. But, But the gospel concerns Jesus, the gospel of God concerns Jesus, rightly known. Jump forward to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we have probably the clearest and most explicit definition of the gospel in the whole of the New Testament. So verse, verse 1 of, of 1 Corinthians 15, now I would remind you, brothers and sisters, of the gospel I preach to you, and there's this lovely past, present, future, ongoing sense of this. I preach to you which you received, in which you stand, and by which, this gospel, you are being saved. If you hold fast the word I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received." So he's reminding the church of this. Don't ever think, church, that you go past needing to to know the gospel. Paul reminds his churches that he writes to of the gospel. He's reminding them here, and he says, this is of first importance. And then he goes on to define what this is. This is gospel. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. That he was buried 
and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time and on and on it goes. What's the gospel here? The gospel is the story of Jesus who just like in Romans chapter 1, we're hearing that this is... This is the story of what Jesus has done in accordance with the scriptures. And it says, of course, it says that Jesus died for our sins. And of course, that's glorious. Of course, that needs unpacking every single day of our lives and every single week of our lives as we gather here and in our homes. But let's not miss the Jesus who did that. Let's not jump straight to what Jesus did for us. Let's remember the one who did it. The main focus of what Paul reminds the church as to what the God gospel is, is that it's all about Jesus, who he is and what he has done. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, over a few pages, 2 Corinthians 4 verses 3 to 5. Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled only to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. What's the gospel? The gospel is the good news of the glory of Christ that shines forth. What is to be proclaimed? Look at verse 5. For what we proclaim, the similar language to what Paul uses in Philippians 1, what does it matter then just that in every way Jesus is proclaimed? And in that I rejoice. Well, here in 2 Corinthians 4, what we proclaim, the gospel that we want to share, is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. And the last one is 2 Timothy Chapter 2, verse 8. And I'm going to read this for you from the NIV because the ESV have, have translated this, I think, somewhat strangely. Paul's writing again and he has a command for Timothy. And this is what he says in 2 Timothy 2, verse 8. He says, Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel. I wonder how many of us who have been around church for any number of years, if someone was to come and say to you, what does, what does the gospel mean? What is the gospel? I wonder if we would say anything close to the gospel is Jesus Christ raised from the dead, descended from David. You see, the good news is not just what comes from what Jesus did. That is precious beyond words. But it is the story of who Jesus was. It's the story of who Jesus is. And did you notice in three out of four of these passages, 2 Corinthians 4 aside, in the other ones, it's the story that's connected in with the story that God began in choosing a people, the people of Israel, through whom all the nations of the world would be blessed. 
And all those passages highlight the fact that it's showing that Jesus has proved himself. He has shown himself to be the son of God, the king of this kingdom through his death and his resurrection. And these passages are saying now that the good news is that Jesus' glory shines forth. He shows us God himself. And, and you know, it's interesting, if you've ever tracked through the book of Acts, when you read the sermons in Acts, they're very different to the sorts of sermons we often preach. Truthfully, most of the sermons in Acts, they simply follow this pattern that Paul's writing about in his letters. They tell the story of who Jesus is. They say, this is, this is who you thought he was, but according to the scriptures, let me show you from the Hebrew Bible, let me show you that there is a Messiah coming, and this Jesus who you killed and, and who rose again, he's the one. He's the one. And, and then there's a response that comes. Acts chapter 2 what are we to do? They're cut to the heart when they hear this story. What are we to do about this? Then, then the challenge comes, repent and be baptized. But the, the story that they tell, the gospel that they share, is Jesus, son of David, resurrected from the dead. What matters is that Jesus is proclaimed. And you see, this is what Paul Wants in Philippians chapter 1. He wants Jesus to be made known. Writing in chains, unjustly treated, reputation attacked, unsure of what's coming, whether even his life might be taken from him. He says, What difference does any of that make? What matters? is that Jesus is shown to be the king that he is. He speaks in that passage back in Philippians 1 of how his imprisonment has served to advance the gospel in that clearly some have looked on at him and seen his courage and his boldness and seen this continued growing love for Jesus. And it says in verse 14 that it's given greater boldness For those who are preaching, he speaks of that preaching in verse 15 as uh, preaching Christ. Or twice in verses 17 and 18, he speaks of this reality of sharing the gospel as proclaiming Christ. Paul knew that the gospel, the good news, was Jesus rightly known. One part of me kind of just wanted to stop there. But, but I, I was struggling with the question, maybe you are, why is that good news? I can accept perhaps that that's a, that's a reality, but why is it good news? Jesus, raised from the dead, descended from David. Why is that good news? Because this world is not all there is. This political, political climate is not all there is. The sicknesses that we face do not have the last word. The wars 
and injustices that so many in our world face do not have the last word. Your search for meaning, purpose in life is not in vain. The desires that we feel for peace and for wholeness, the desire that we feel to to come home and to be welcomed in, those desires do not come from nowhere and they need not go unfulfilled. There is another kingdom that we were made for. Whatever you're living under today, whatever governing reality is over your life and is directing your steps as you go through your week and your days and your hours, there's another way. And Jesus Christ is that way. He is the king of the kingdom. He is good news in himself. He is the perfect embodiment of all that is true and good and beautiful. And he shines forth in splendor. Shines as beautiful, glorious light in this dark world. And Paul wanted this Jesus, this Christ, Messiah, Rescuer, Chosen One, Redeemer. He wanted that Jesus proclaimed, known, cherished, adored, acknowledged. Why? Why did he want that so much? What on earth would cause Paul to have this disposition that none of the terrible circumstances that he was facing mattered as long as this Jesus was known? It's just because of the heart he had for those around about him. He knew the way that God had treated him and he wanted others to get in on that reality. He desperately wanted people to see Jesus for who he was. He was so sure of the glory and the wonder of his God that he not only put up with, but he rejoiced in the most horrible of circumstances, if that may be meant that just a few more people would get to see this Jesus that he saw and that he cherished and that he loved. He wanted people to meet this Jesus of his. What about us? Is that our heart in 2020? Have you seen Christ? Do you so see his glory and his splendor and his beauty shining forth that you want others to get in on that? My word is challenging, right? Is that our hope in 2020? Not to just have a good little time here in this church, not just to have a full and varied ministry program, but to have this heart to show Jesus to others. Friends, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit would let this be a freeing reality for us. When we understand the gospel like this, it's freeing, right? That when, when, I, when you think about shining the light of Jesus this week, 
it's not just about having lots of well-rehearsed arguments in your head or being able to share three points of a story in perfect, concise profundity or anything like that. Or, or, or It's not about us having the most impressive Sunday services or the most impressive ministries or anything like that. It, it can be. I mean, none of that's bad in and of itself, but it, it should be, it can be just about us displaying Jesus, talking about him, talking about what he's like, talking about how he's encouraged us, talking about the difference he's made in our lives. That, is, that should be freeing for us. Pete Gregg, uh, who, well, he did. He's just stepped back from it, but he started and then headed up this amazing ministry called 24-7 Prayer. He's got this great quote about prayer, and it's something along the lines of, he says, I'm not really into prayer as such. I'm just really into God, and I love the fact that me and God can talk together. And, you know, sometimes I, that's freeing, I think. You know, I, you know, if you hear me say, or if I hear me say, you've got to pray more, Martin, or us, you know, that can land in a difficult way. It's true, but it can land. In, but if, if, if we can have the heart to say, we've got to love God more. You, there's a great God who loves you. He wants to spend time with you. He wants you to rest with him, to know him, to enjoy him. He wants you to be directed. But, you know, know God more and then be freed up just to, to chat to him as you go about your daily life. That, that's freeing, right? Well, I wonder if some of us could be helped by a version of that quote regarding how we think about sharing the good news. It might be said, well, I'm not really into evangelism. I'm not really great at making the best argument as to why Christianity is true, but I am into Jesus. I do love Jesus, and I love that I get to just naturally tell other people by him when I get the opportunity as it comes up in my day-to-day life. As we, as we begin to journey through 2020, let's make sure that we're not just worried about a great ministry program, but let's have a heart that Jesus would be proclaimed among us and that that heart would flow through everything we do. So that as we pray together, as we pray together, even before we get to the very important pastoral needs, even before we get to the very important ministry needs in our church, let's pray that Jesus would be displayed in our lives, in our church, as we think about how God might bring growth in this church, let's conceive of that as it being about us more fully beholding the wonders of God and us being able to point others to that well as best we can. As we think about church plants, current and God willing future, let's make that about people seeing Jesus. As we think about the challenges we face, the difficult situations we find ourselves in, the attitudes that others have towards us, the struggles they create for us, the ill treatment we can sometimes experience, will we let those hold us back or trip us up and consume us? Or will we say with Paul, doesn't matter. They're weird 
plans, their hurtful dispositions. What does it matter? I just want people to see Jesus. We can't pray that, live that, dream that until we've tasted that good news ourselves, unless we have seen and cherished and found our wholeness and our hope and our joy in Jesus himself. Paul had, and he knew that nothing else was more important. Dear friend, is Jesus good news to you? Better than any other passion in your life, any meal, movie, experience, hope, purchase, relationship, dream that you might have is Jesus good news. Let's take some time this week, this year to meet Jesus afresh. The good news. And pray for that inclination to grow in all of us naturally to share that with those around about us just like we might do with something else that we're fired up about, to share what you've seen, who you've seen, the wonder of Jesus, the kindness of Jesus, the authority of Jesus, the glory, the King. He is good news. Let's cherish it, cherish him, and share him for Jesus' sake.